Welcome back to Colin Lowry, episode number 110, and we are back on a very pleasant uh, little preview of spring here in Charlotte, North Carolina. As always, alongside my co-host, uh, Sam Corder, I'm Dean Lowry, and uh, Sam, uh, let's not even ask you how you're doing. Question of the day, what is the best flavor of Tic Tac to consume? Best flavor, go. Um, I mean, obviously the classic mint's got to be up there, but, you know, that's not the answer that anybody wants to hear. Um, so I got to go with the classic orange. Um, I feel like, you know, I've had plenty of Christmases where, you know, I get that in my stocking. That's a big, it's a big plus for you to get that in the stocking. Oh yeah. That's an excited feeling. Mm-hmm. Well, the orange is number two on my list, um, but I'm going hyper-specific on this one. Um, within the Fruit Adventure family of Tic Tac, the yellow Fruit Adventure, I think it's supposed to be, I guess, banana. That is my favorite Tic Tac flavor. It's probably mango, man. Uh, but it's like yellow. Hold on. Fruit advent- Adventure Tic Tac flavors. It is mango. You are correct. Whoa. My apologies. Mango is yellow, orange is orange, green apple is green, and cherry is red. But yeah, there you go. Mango, I guess, is my favorite uh, flavor of Tic Tac. So uh, there you go. But let's get right into the sports here. Um, before we start um, with the NFL, uh, MLB spring training just began uh, this past week. So we revving that up. Um, and look forward to um, the revolutionary, uh, Mr. Stephen Cole, joining us March 28th. Mark your calendars coming up uh, just before opening day of MLB. So just thought I'd mention that. So get excited. Uh, we're going to try to have him on for the uh, number one fan special on March the 28th. So maybe a dream away for now, but, you know, get, get excited. Um, so, uh, let's look into, uh, the NFL and obviously Sam and I are tied up eight to four here. So pretty solid picking, uh, from the both of us. Um, uh, but we are left now with one game. I'll let Sam pick first, but before we get into that, let's look into the stats. Super Bowl 57 between the Kansas City Chiefs had the AFC and the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, the two one seats, um, it's going to be State Farm Stadium in Glendale, Arizona, 630 Fox, um, looking at the statistics. Um, the Eagles, you know, finished the regular season 14-3, as did the Chiefs. So both these teams coming in at 16-3 uh, on the season so far. Um, the Eagles uh, have scored 28.1 points per game and allowed 20.2 points per game. That's third and eighth, respectively, in the NFL. And then looking at the Chiefs, uh, they have... They've scored 29.2 points per game, which is best in the NFL. And then they have allowed 21.7 uh, points per game, which is 16th. So Chiefs' best offense, and then the Eagles a little more rounded out. And uh, the Chiefs survive a narrow victory in Arrowhead to make it to the Super Bowl while the Eagles cruised. Uh, the Chiefs a little banged up with the injury to Mahomes. How well is he going to play? Um, a lot of threats on this Eagles team that the Chiefs are going to have to manage. Uh, but a very close spread, and uh, initially, Sam, uh, just tell me, don't make a prediction, but tell me what your gut is feeling headed into the Super Bowl. Um, so I would say 
that you know I haven't followed the NFL that closely this season, um, but I feel like the Eagles have been kind of sneakily dominant. Um, so I I think that they well no predictions I won't predict yet. Okay. Well, I mean, I think that what my gut is is telling me is that the experience is going to shine through. Um, and I, I don't know. Obviously, Sam gets to make the first pick since he is our defending champion. So I got to just go with whatever he does at pick. But I feel the experience of Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, um, some leaders on that defense that have been there. The Super Bowl. I mean, you've got to think the Eagles won the Super Bowl not that long ago. But this team looks so completely different than the one that won the Super Bowl against Tom Brady in Super Bowl 52, so five years ago. Um, but a very different team. Um, this is going to be a very intriguing matchup. you got two young quarterbacks. The first time, in fact, that we were having two African-American quarterbacks face off against each other in the Super Bowl, uh, which is a pretty uh, neat stat there. Um, but just look at the quarterback play. Uh, Sam, who do you favor uh, in comparison to Patrick Mahomes? With the little bit of the injury that he will still have lingering, and then uh, Jalen Hurts for the Eagles. Um, I definitely favor uh, Mahomes in this matchup, just like you said, because of the experience. Um, you know, but uh, Jalen Hurts definitely has that big game experience uh, from college. Um, so don't don't write him off, um, but definitely look to Mahomes uh, for quarterback play. You know, I think the key to this game is the Chiefs' defense. You know, how do they set the tone early on and not allow, you know, the the load of weapons, you know, that you know, the Eagles can throw at you. You know, A.J. Brown especially has been just fantastic this season. Um, it's going to be a lot to handle um, in terms of the Chiefs' defense. And, you know, they, st- they played very well. Um, you know, in that Bengals game, um, but this is a different environment. This isn't, you know, at home in the cold, it's in a dome, you know, it's, it's a controlled environment. And, uh, you know, I think the Eagles fans will travel well. I think it'll be a pretty balanced stadium. Um, but now let's turn to the picks. Sam Carter going for two years, two years in a row in our playoff predictions. Um, so Sam with, with, uh, no further deliberation. Uh, lay down your Super Bowl prediction. Why don't you give us score prediction as well, just for just for kicks? All right, uh, Dean, it's your lucky day. I'm allowing you your first choice. I'm going to go with the Eagles. Um, I think that, you know, the AFC sort of looked weak this year. Um, and, you know, at times so have the Chiefs. And throughout this playoffs, the Chiefs have looked, you know, not at their best. But a team that has is the Eagles. Uh, pretty much won every game this playoffs in dominant fashion. So I'm gonna go Eagles. Uh, let's say thirty-one to twenty-four. All right, submitted in stone. Um, I'm gonna go with the Chiefs uh, as I have to. 23-20. Um, I think this is going to be a very good Super Bowl. I think that these teams match up very well against each other. I mean, the two best teams in the league, you know, this is what you want out of a Super Bowl. And uh, we'll see young quarterback. Um, you know, we can see Jalen Hurts emerge. Or we can see Mahomes, you know, cement himself into a place. You know, with Brady, you know, leaving a vacuum, who's going to be the new 
kind of great quarterback in the league to look to. It could be Patrick Mahomes stepping into that role. Um, but the the, uh, the stars will shine bright on Sunday night. I think we will have a very entertaining game um, in Arizona. Well, let's turn it over now to the NBA. And before we get to any Kyrie Irving antics or news, uh, got to talk about the Charlotte Hornets. We went over four this week. Um, they suffered um, some pretty pretty mighty losses. Um, you know, they lost the Bucks by nine on the road. Lost the Bulls. Uh, got crushed. You know, offensive. You know, only scored ninety eight points in that one on the second. Uh, lost the Pistons by six, and then lost the Magic at home. Um, but in that Magic game, Lamelo Ball played tremendously. He's our Player of the Week. Um, dropping 33-8-6. and six. Um, So just playing tremendously despite the uh, sort of you feeling that this team is going to be blown up very soon. But can I just mention Gordon Hayward? You play 31 minutes in that game, and you have a 6-2-2 two two stat line. Hmm. I mean, this guy's not an average defense at all. So he's really just running around at this point. And he's making that, that move uh, that Mitch Kupchak made uh, you know, to get him in that summer, it just looks so terrible at this at this moment. I, I, I can't describe it, but here we are, you know, still with Gordon Hayward on the roster. Um, looking, you know, around the NBA, um, you know, the Kings still holding that three spot, you know. I think they're the most entertaining team in the NBA. Um, so Sam and I, we're going to hop on the bandwagon and just look at their, their story to try to break the streak. Um, but they're they're in a nice spot headed into All Star Weekend, uh, you know, comfortably uh, in third place by game. Um, the Nuggets hold a comfortable lead in the West, and uh, the Celtics are getting caught up a little bit uh, by the Milwaukee Bucks. I mean, they're only one game ahead now. They were up by like four games at one point, so they uh, certainly have you know the race is not won yet um, in terms of the Celtics there. Um, the Nets are obviously falling after the trade news, which we'll get to in a second, as I have mentioned. Uh, the Cavs stay steady as the 76ers. And then the Clippers are coming on very nicely, uh, filling in that four spot. Um, but obviously Dallas is going to be a new threat, given the trade. So let's finally get to it. Um, Kyrie Irving is now a Maverick, joining Luka in the backcourt, giving Mark Cuban the breathing room to say, look, I did it. I got you, Kyrie Irving, even though there's one year left on his contract and he could just leave any moment after the season. And you traded away two shooters um, and a pick. By the way, the pick they traded, 2029. That person right now is in the seventh grade hmm. for context. Um, wow. But a huge trade. Kyrie announced uh, this past week that he wanted to be traded out. The that said, finally, we're going to move you because you have one year left in your contract. You're probably going to leave anyway. Um, so now we're in this position. We got Luca and Kyrie. Um, Sam, initial thoughts on the pairing and how well they're going to work out in Dallas. You know, I think that this is going to work out terribly. Um, you know, I was, I don't know how relevant this is, um, but I was telling my dad about Duke basketball last night and how, you know, Duke won it with John Shire won it all in 2010 and then the following season Kyrie comes back late in the uh, tournament and you know sort of just destroys their chemistry and I feel like Kyrie is known for that um, I think that you know as good as he is he's a ball hog 
And, you know, you look at Luka Doncic, who is also, you know, kind of a ball hog. They're both scores. Um, obviously, Luka is pretty good at distributing. Um, but I He can do a little bit of that. I think this is going to be a poor matchup. Yeah, I mean, the defensive metrics on this are just going to be terrible. Um, it'll be very interesting how these two work together. Uh, certainly, you know, a big job for the Dallas coaching staff. But I'd really look to, you know, how is Kyrie going to work out with the chemistry? I think Sam brings up a good point. That wasn't totally irrelevant. Um, he has had chemistry problems given his kind of abnormal style and how commanding he is, um, you know, on the microphone in the press room. But, you know, Dallas was kind of stagnant before this. So I think if they had to make a move, they went after it and they got it. And I got to ask you, Sam, let's say in a perfect, perfect world where these two players mesh together as well as they can, does Dallas become a title contender out of the West? No, because uh, the defense won't be there. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Oh, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I, I, I agree. Um, I, I think that a little bit of it is they could have some incredible performances in the playoffs when it comes that time. Uh, but when you got teams like uh, Memphis, Denver, um, even the Clippers that are just so good um, with those versatile defenders such as Kawhi Leonard, uh, you know, obviously Denver's got loaded, you know, on the wings with, uh, you know, Bobo coming in. And then uh, you got Jamal Murray as well. I just think there's so many the great defenders in the West. Not really a dominant team right now, um, given that Denver hasn't really done anything in the playoffs. There's not a dominant team, quote-unquote, in the West. Um, but certainly it will be very interesting. Um, we finally see the trade market open up a little bit, and uh, you know we, we got the big splash uh, at the trade deadline. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, you can catch the first game. Uh, the cover will play with Mavericks. Um, I, I don't know if they play next. I know it's tomorrow night. Um, can I see? Can I look? I'll give it five seconds. Okay, can't find it. But uh, you can catch them on. I know it's ESPN, the 10 o'clock games. So you probably watch the highlights if you're on the East Coast. And check out uh, how Kyrie, he meshes with uh, Luka Doncic. So it'll certainly be an interesting pairing in Texas. Uh, but the two gunslingers will try to you know, bring him back and, uh, you know, bring up a new star in the playoffs and Kyrie finally kind of make him the leader of a team, which he always wanted to be in Cleveland. And now this is his kind of – I think this is his last dance with Mary Jane. Um, You know, hate to put it in Tom Petty terms, given that Tom Petty has nothing to do with basketball. But this is – I feel like if it doesn't work out with Dallas, I don't know where Kyrie Irving is going to go. I mean, he could go to the Lakers next year. That is the real possibility. And we'll get into all that over the summer. It'll be all kinds of crazy hypotheticals or whatever. But I think that it's really, this is his last chance to be the leader of a team and be an all-star caliber player. I mean, given he is he is an all-star starter this season, he, he's had a very productive offensive season, um, especially from the mid-range. He's just been so excellent. So uh, we'll just see uh, how it all shakes out. Um, but now to kind of the main event, uh, the college basketball and, uh, the Tar Heels, uh, had a rough week, uh, losing by one against Pittsburgh. Um, just got Jamaris Burton just dominated that game 
and he got to the line at the end to make the two free throws, and then the loss of Duke with a pitiful Pete going one for ten, you know, broke the hearts of many a Tar Heel fan going zero two in the week, uh, falling to seven and five in the conference. Um, but it's not over yet, you know. Clemson has lost um, as well as Virginia, so uh, you know there's a lot of shakiness around the conference in general. Um, but next week. Uh, UNC will take on Wake Forest tonight. That is a very important game in terms of the bounce back factor. Um, and they'll take on Clemson um, on Saturday. So a lot of animosity between Sam and I on that one. Yeah. Um, but I think the bench just has to be utilized. Um, one of the beat writers uh, for GoHeels.com said there's a major problem within the program after this loss to Duke. I don't know that I would go that far, but the bench production has been terrible past two years under Hubert Davis, and it's really it's hurt them in games when the starters are not shooting well. Um, but it also gets them on incredibly hot streaks, so it's difficult to see a sustained success with this model that Hubert Davis has presented, but um, a lot of work to do, and not a lost season in any sense, given just how competitive the ACC still is. Um, you know, you look at the standings, and UNC's only two games out of the lost column, um, so certainly, you know, there's some chances to make up some ground going down the stretch. Um, so, Sam, why don't you take us through what happened to Clemson this past week? Um, like Carolina, uh, Clemson drops two against Boston College and then a tight one against Miami. You know, there's a common theme with these Clemson losses, and that's shot selection. Um, you know, I think Dean can relate to this, too. You know, why, especially in the pit game, why are you going down and the first shot you're shooting is a three-pointer? When you have big guys, you can work it inside too. Um, it, it just hurts. Uh, you know, hot take here, and, you know, this could start a whole discussion. Um, remove the three-point line. What are your, wow. what are your thoughts? From... College basketball? No, from basketball, NBA, and college hoops. No, no. I I feel like you know this isn't a discussion for today, but you know this is this could be a conversation that needs to be had. So are you saying you think that people are taking too many threes at the college level because they think they're too ready to shoot the three? No, I just. Or what what do you? I'm saying. Well, yeah, I mean, that's part of it. I just feel like, you know, you're taking out a creative aspect of the game when you just go down and shoot. You know, work it around. Work for an open shot. And that's not what they're doing. I mean, maybe so. You could make that argument. But I don't see how removing the three-point line helps that. Well, you you'll, be, still you'll be less enticed to shoot a super deep shot. I think the problem before the three-point line was the, that the post-game slowed the basketball down so much. It almost became like syrup. Um, you know, just the way that it was just so much, so many post moves and just so much action inside that, you know, I think that the three, while I think that today college players shoot too many threes in terms of they're not ready to make them, and that can be frustrating as a fan, Every team does it. So, you know, you're not really necessarily hurt by it. 
Um, but I'm not saying. I, I don't I'm, know. I'm saying that it, it it's difficult to watch when players are shooting twenty five percent from three and they keep shooting. Like yeah, that is, that's what that's that the point I'm making. I'm, I'm saying that I think that college players today are not, they're not ready to shoot it. I agree with you on that. I'm not saying it needs to be removed. I'm just saying that I think the mentality of college players has shifted to where they think they need to be making threes, which I, I don't think you need to be making threes to be considered maybe a prospect. Um, in any sense of the word, I mean, just look at Scotty Barnes, who was a six-year overall pick. He was the sixth man on Florida State. You know, you just have to have those, you know, you have to have the athletic moves down. And, you know, a, while a great shot is a nice tool to have in a player's arsenal, you know, it, it's hard to get much better at three-point shooting. It's very difficult. So, I I don't know. It's don't Steph know. Curry's That's, fault. You could say that. Yeah, it, it might be Steph Curry's fault. I will say that. Okay. He's so good at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is true. Well, uh, looking at the ACC standings, uh, despite uh, Sam's, uh, you know, uh, gripes uh, with Clemson basketball, um, Clemson's still at the top at ten and three in the conference, followed by Virginia and Pittsburgh at nine and three. Miami at ten and four. They whooped Duke last night, um, and then NC State at nine and four. Duke at eight and five. UNC at seven and five. Wake at seven and six. Houston seven to six. FSU at five and six and seven, Boston College five and eight, Virginia Tech four and eight, and then the rest: Notre Dame, Louisville, and Georgia Tech. They don't even deserve to get mentioned because you're so bad at basketball. Um, you know, I think that we have a very balanced conference this year, as I've already mentioned so many times. I think that a lot can change. Um, I think that this next stretch of games for these teams is very important. Um, if you look at North Carolina, they have Wake, Clemson. Miami, NC State, um, Virginia, and Duke, you know, those are, are six of their next eight games. If you find a way to win four or, five, four or five of those, I think you put yourself in a very nice position going into the ACC tournament. And I think that, you know, the competitiveness pr- produces great tournament teams um, at the ACC. So I think we will see an ACC team in the Final Four this year. That's my, that's my call. Um, whether it be Virginia – or, you know, some, Miami has been very strong. You know, that there's just those teams that have so much experience um, that will prove their medal, I think, uh, when it comes to March. Well, uh, pretty depressing uh, episode from the college basketball standpoint. Yeah. Um, do got to give a shout-out uh, to the Duke defense. They played tremendously. I'll give you credit. I think Duke played better in this game. I know, I know that, you know, Pete Nance missed all the shots or whatever. But the defense was tremendous, um, you know, especially out of Lively, you know, with he only had four points, but he made the biggest impact in the game with 14 rebounds and eight blocks. I mean, if you play like that, I mean, that's Dennis Rodman type stuff. And the impact that somebody can have from that standpoint is just tremendous. Um, You know, I would say an an average Duke-UNC game, nothing special. Um, Certainly the intensity was there at the end. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's going to do it just about, um, Sam, any weird Super Bowl predictions, like something weird is going to happen. You know, you got, you want to throw it for the, the gambling folk out there. I'm going to say that the, I don't even know who's singing it, but I think that the national anthem is going to suck this year. 
Let's see you sing it then. Anthem singer. Super Bowl 2023. Chris Stapleton, country music star. Okay, That's a good gonna call. It's going to be super long. Yeah, I can see that being terrible. But I will say, we, this kid came to my high school and did the national anthem for a basketball game with an electric guitar, and it was pretty good. I'm not going to lie to you. Sometimes some things are mess, meant to be messed with, but it wasn't that bad. All right, well, that's all we got. You know, a little bit of a, like Pitiful Pete, you know, just a little bit of a lack of, uh, you know, good things happening for us in the sports world. But uh, things could turn around in a, you know, the snap of a finger. Uh, big matchup. See if Clemson get their second win ever in the Dean Dome on Saturday at 2 o'clock. So, uh, big talk there. Uh, but you hear from us.